This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) It's a beautiful sunny day here in New Jersey, and I am grateful to transcend time and space and join with you right now. Let us be grateful for the power and the presence of love within us. I am going to speak a word of prayer here as we tune within. I place my hand on my heart and declare I am wholeheartedly willing to see, to know, to feel, to hear, and to recognize the truth. So grateful and so thankful to consciously attune to the highest and best within us. So grateful and so thankful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, to the unlimited. So grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to truly know and to recognize. Yes, 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 yes. So grateful, so grateful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self, and to be willing to see, determined to see. We're giving all the heavy lifting of figuring out how to that higher Holy Spirit self. We're recognizing that there is that within us which already knows. The knower who knows is on the job. We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to experience the true freedom of our true identity. We are grateful and thankful to consciously say yes. Yes to our awakening. Yes to our healing. Yes to the atonement. Here and now, we share the benefits of our awakening with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we allow it to be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. (laughs) So today, our topic is perception and projection. And I am so surprised and amazed that in the 430 some episodes that we've done so far over the years that this topic has not been the full subject of any episodes kind of crazy because this is such a foundation to the entire teaching of A Course in Miracles. And by the way, if you're looking for, if you're an iTunes person and you're looking for the older episodes, there is a second podcast called A Course in Miracles Archive because iTunes limits the number of shows episodes that you can put in a podcast to 300. So every time we add a new one to the plain old A Course in Miracles podcast, it drops an old one off and we put that into the A Course in Miracles archive podcast. If you're on a um, Windows device, if you're on a uh, Android device, you won't have that issue. So let's talk about perception and projection. So let's just define what these terms mean to start with, because it's such an important basic understanding of A Course in Miracles, and many people don't really understand these words because we don't use them a lot anymore. We don't. And so 
perception is not necessarily the truth. It's just the way that we see it, the way that we experience it. So we can perceive with our body. We can perceive with our eyes. We can perceive with our ears. We can perceive with our intellect, right? All things of this world. So spirit doesn't have any perceptions. Spirit knows. Spirit doesn't understand things. Spirit knows. That's why I say if you're trying to understand things, you're using the intellect. You're using the ego perceptive abilities to try and comprehend something. Instead, just lay that to the side and say, I don't understand it yet. And spirit, I would like to know what this is all about. It's a totally different thing when you know something versus when you understand it. Because we think we understand things and we're convinced that we really understand them. But if we don't know it, we don't know it. And I'd rather know things than understand them. Let's not settle for just understanding things. So perception is part of that understanding realm of the ego. So perception is we're taking evidence, so-called evidence, things that we are perceiving in the world. Where So it could be something that we're feeling with our physical body. It could be something that we're feeling with our emotional body. It could be something that we're sensing with our intuitive faculties, right? It could be something we're hearing that, oh, I, I, I perceive that's my mother's voice. And then we get a little more clarity of the sound and we realize, no, that's not my mother's voice. We know that's not my mother's voice, right? Um, One of the things people ask me all the time is, how do you know when it's intuition? Well, if you really keep at this, you begin to recognize that there's a certain tonal quality or vibratory quality, a certain essence that that still small voice has and you recognize that vibration just like you recognize the vibration of your mother's voice your father's voice your child's voice your um, lover's voice right you become very attuned to the the frequency of the people you care most about in your life or even the ones you despise the most right So perception is in that realm of the five senses, even the sixth sense, and it is related to our belief system. So we can interpret things, and we do all day long. We make meaning of things, and that's through perception. We perceive that there's enough time to do a certain task. We perceive that person really likes us. We perceive that person actually loves us. We perceive that there's a sense of safety here, or there's a lack of safety here. This is all perception. So different from actual knowing. People, it's it's funny sometimes I get the knowing I'm to do a particular thing, right? It's an insight, it's an intuition that I'm to do a particular thing or not do a particular thing. Um, like my brother once asked me years ago, why did you go back and live in the house in Maine? You're traveling all over the place. Why didn't you just do that? It'd be so easy. You could settle there. The house is empty. Now we rent it. But... It was empty for a lot. And I said, I'm, I'm just, no, I'm not supposed to be there. I'm supposed to be other places. And he kind of looked at me like, that, what? <laughs> but I just knew 
that I was supposed to be certain places. I knew I was supposed to go and live in England. I knew I was supposed to go and live in Hawaii. I didn't know why. I didn't know why those things were revealed to me later, but I knew that was the most congruent with my energy at that time. There was something compelling me to go there. That still small voice had made it clear to me. So that's not perception at all. That is really knowing. For me, it's valuable to make that distinction between perception and knowing. Really, really helpful to me. So I'm going to invite you to just think of something in your life where you have an absolute knowing of it. You know that somebody loves you. You know that you love somebody. You know that a certain work is for you to do. You know that A Course in Miracles is truth. Something like that in your life. You just know it. And then think of something where you're not certain. You don't know. You're not sure. There's a qualitative difference when you feel the difference. So to me, in my life, I go for the knowing. Sometimes people will ask me, well, what what would you like to eat or what would you like to do here? What, What do you think is best for us to do now? Sometimes when I'm leading a retreat or a workshop, I'll say, hang on a minute teaching a class, hang on a minute, let me feel that. Because I don't have a knowing already. I have to tune into it and tap into it. And that is, to me, the most valuable skill I have. Because from that, everything else flows. My willingness to be patient, my willingness to be kind, my willingness to seek truth, all comes from touching into that vibration of Knowing the truth, being willing to know the truth. Because there are many times, like when I moved to Hawaii, I didn't actually want to move to Hawaii. I had no desire to go to Hawaii. The first, all the times I ever went to Hawaii, pretty much, trying to think now back, I never thought I want, oh yes, there was one time, the very first time, actually, that's funny. The very first time I had a, desire to go to Hawaii. And I remember standing in my office, and it just came over me. I really would like to go to Hawaii. I really, really, really would like to go to Hawaii. I don't know why, but I felt it. Two weeks later, somebody's, my goddaughter's family said, they had just had, the the baby was born two weeks before. And the uh, it was right around the time the baby was born that uh, that Amelia was born that I got this strong feeling, I would like to go to Hawaii. There's something for me there. And I just stood there in my office and said, I would like to go to Hawaii. I really, really would like to go to Hawaii. And two weeks later, my goddaughter's family said, Will you come to Hawaii with us? We have a wedding to go to. The baby will only be one month old, and we'd just like to have extra help with us. We're going to stay at a Four Seasons resort, first class, everything. Will, will you come with us? And they said, we'll even give you money because we know to take time off. You won't have the income. We're happy to make up the income for you. I said, you don't have to give me any money. I'm happy to go. I would love to just be, if you were going to Milwaukee, I would love to come and be with the baby and be with you. So I went to Hawaii, and I know now that it was about being with them and supporting them at that time. And having that time, the three, the four of us, because the baby, (laughs) and also it was about me putting my feet in the ocean there at Maui, because there was something about 
standing there that very first morning. We got there late the night before, and that very first morning, as the sun was not even coming up, just first light, I I was awake, and I threw on my bathrobe, and I walked out the door. We were in this townhouse at this resort right on the ocean, and I just walked down to the beach and put my feet I walked up to my knees in the water in my bathrobe <laughs> and I just said, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for bringing me here. It felt so healing and restorative. The water was so beautiful and it was the perfect temperature. I was so glad to be there. So I had this knowing that I was to go, and it was that declaration, I would really, really like to go. I didn't know any trip was on the horizon or planned. But I knew it was something about me going to Hawaii, and I was so, so grateful. So, so grateful. Hmm. Yep. Ah, beautiful memory. So, perception is different than knowing. Perception is clouded with our beliefs. We're interpreting things when we have perception. And perception and perspective are essentially the same thing. So, We can think of Lesson 190 in which it tells us, Jesus tells us, pain is a wrong perspective, right? So perception and perspective, same energetic. So let's go to the text and see what it has to share with us. Chapter 18, the passing of the dream, the first section is entitled The Substitute Reality. So chapter 18, section 1, paragraph 5. You may be surprised to hear how very different is reality from what you see. You see meaning you perceive. You do not realize the magnitude of that one error. It was so vast and so completely incredible that from it, a world of total unreality had to emerge. What else could come of it? Its fragmented aspects are fearful enough as you begin to look at them. Again, perception. But nothing you have seen begins to show you the enormity of the original error, which seemed to cast you out of heaven to shatter knowledge into meaningless bits of disunited perceptions and to force you to make further substitutions. So the you could see here about shattering knowledge into meaningless bits of disunited perceptions and to force you to make further substitutions. So when we're, when we have a belief, which as I, I frequently say here, it, our beliefs are not true. Truth is true. If, if we don't believe the truth, we know the truth. To me, these are such important distinctions. And to pay attention to how they play out in our daily life. So sometimes, as I started to say, and then went off on another thing, people will say, so what, what do we do here? Uh, what, 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 is, what would you like to eat? Or what, what do you think is best here? I'll pause And I will close my eyes. Sometimes I put my hand on my heart. And I open myself to an awareness of what is the truth. What is the thing for me to know here? And sometimes I'll ask a question. If nothing comes in immediately, I'll ask a question. What am I to do here? What am I to know here? And I find it so helpful. It's so helpful. People say, what would you like to eat? And I'll pause. And I'll close my eyes and go within. And people 
who don't know me will wonder what the heck is going on with this girl. They'll think, they'll, and sometimes people will say to me, don't you know? You don't know what you want? And it's because I'm not looking to know things with the, the there's no knowing of the surface mind, right? Because the surface mind will say, well, what did I eat yesterday? What's in the fridge? That's not knowing what the highest and best is. That is not tuning in. It's a different way of living. So my invitation to you is to practice this knowing and move out of perception. Don't settle for just understanding things. Seek to know. Because there is the knower who knows, which is already within our awareness. It is that I am presence which knows. So it's a matter of being connected to that knower who knows. And I I can even think of times when people have asked me, don't you know? I say, the knower who knows, I'm contacting the knower who knows. <laughs> I I don't mind if people think I'm strange, so that's okay. My family's used to me. They do think I'm strange. It's okay, because what does strange mean? It means different than uh, the norm. And yes, we who are seeking to live our life by guidance from the Holy Spirit are not the norm. It's okay to not be the norm. I don't have a problem with that. All right, so going on here to paragraph 6, chapter 18, section 1, paragraph 6. That was the first projection of error outward. Okay, the first projection of error outward. What does he mean by that? He's referring to the substitution. Substituting truth for our beliefs. Substituting the real world, the uh, illusion for the real world. That's the substitution. That was the first projection of error outward. The world arose to hide it and become the screen on which it was projected and drawn between you and the truth. One of the things that we've done in this world is we've substituted the ego thought system for the Holy Spirit thought system. Right? We've we've substituted false for true. That's why the truth sets us free. It sets us free from the world that we made with our false beliefs, with our interpretations, with our perceptions, with our perspective. Our perspective is that we're separate. Why do we have a separation perspective or point of view? Perspective and point of view are the same thing. We have it because we decided that one is better than another. This one is better than that one. And so that sense of separation, boom, we applied it to everything. Everything, everything, everything. So that was the first projection of error, right? It's error thinking. So the whole world of separation is an error in our thinking. And the whole world that we see arose to hide our error in thinking that we are, and recognizing that we are perfect love, right? So we're substituting things for perfect love. We're substituting ideas and perceptions and beliefs for truth. Now, it says here, again, continuing in paragraph 6, for truth extends inward, where the idea of loss is meaningless. And only increase is conceivable. So in truth, we cannot have loss. We cannot be separated from the source. We can only increase. But perception is that we can have loss, that we can decrease, that we can be diminished, right? So because we perceive it, 
We see it on the world, and that is projection. Here it comes. Do you really think it's strange that a world in which everything is backwards and upside down arose from this projection of error? It was inevitable, for truth brought to this could only remain within, within our heart, within our awareness, in quiet, and take no part in all the mad projection by which the world was made. Call it not sin, but madness, right? The tiny mad idea. For such it was, and so it still remains. Invest it not with guilt, for guilt implies it was accomplished in reality. And above all, be not afraid of it. Be not afraid of the perceptions and the projections. It would be like being afraid of a movie we see projected on the screen, thinking that the movie itself, the projection on the screen itself could hurt us. But we've all been to movies that terrified us, and the thoughts of those scenes remained in our minds. Think of Psycho which scared me, Jaws, which scared me, uh, you know, other, I, I try not to see those movies, but when I was a little girl, I saw The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, a Disney film. It terrified me. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's time for a break already. I'm Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about perception and projection. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love We're walking the talk, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. So grateful to be with you. And we're talking about perception and projection. We're going to go now to chapter 21, which is entitled Reason and Perception. So in the introduction here, it begins with projection makes perception. The world you see is what you gave it, nothing more than that. So just before the break, we were talking about uh, movies, right? The classic analogy for us that you go to a movie and you're seeing an image projected onto a screen. It's not real, but we can get very swept up in it, especially if we become identified with the main character. That is the thing that makes it super scary or super exciting, super beautiful. That is the thing. It's our identification with the main character. So if you think of the movie Psycho, we don't actually, the main character is Norman Bates in a way, but we don't see things through the eyes of Norman Bates in a certain sense. We see it as um, the the character of the detective. We see it as the, the character of, um, I can't think of her name, who gets murdered in the shower. We think it, our, our perspective, the way that Hitchcock presents things to us, we identify with those characters. But we are looking, we go from perspective to perspective. In Jaws, right, sometimes we're, we're uh, looking at things in the ocean from the, the um, shark perspective, right? But mostly we're experiencing the whole thing as if we're part of the community uh, we're on the beach with them, we're in the boat with them, we're experiencing what they're experiencing. And so we're very identified with those characters. So 
And this is the, the beauty of movies is that we can shift identification, become identified with the character. If the storytellers who make the movies are doing a really good job, you could say the same thing about reading a novel. Because I remember when I read The World According to Garp by John Irving, it was the, it, there was a moment in that book, I won't give it away, it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous book, and there's a moment in there when something happens and I just spontaneously burst into sobbing and tears because something happened that so affected the main character it just affected me as well because I was so identified with the main character it's one of the beauties of um, great writers like Dickens and Irving and and these wonderful Shakespeare were able to identify with the characters and feel what they feel in this world right our whole experience is we become identified with a false self we lose our sense of true identity we're no longer recognizing that we're pure spirit perfect love we cannot be hurt or harmed So we've lost our perspective and our perception is that we are diminished, that we are lacking, that we are limited, that we are cut off from source, that we are bad, we're wrong, we're therefore feeling guilty and ashamed and we're being punished. So projection makes perception. The world you see is what you gave it, nothing more than that. But though it is no more than that, it is not less. It is not less. Therefore, to you, it is important. It is the witness to your state of mind. The world we think we see is a witness to our state of mind. The outward, outside picture is of an inward condition. We see a projection, which is, in a sense, a reflection of what's going on in our awareness, right? So I... I sometimes tell the story of I I had a first date planned with a man I had known for a while. I was really looking forward to it, and I I thought we were going to have a great time. It was the first time he'd asked me to dinner. He was going to take me out on a Friday night. I was very excited about it. And someone I, I really liked and was glad to be getting to know him on a more personal level. So... Friday during the day, I we had made a plan that he would check in with me during the day on Friday, but he didn't. And Friday, 5 o'clock comes, 6 o'clock comes, 7 o'clock comes. Uh, by the time 9 o'clock came, I was drinking, I was upset, I was never going to talk with him again. How could he have done this to me? Who does he think he is? He's totally stood me up on a Friday night. How dare he? I will not stand for this. I'll never go out with him ever. Uh, I'm so glad to know this now. What kind of a man would do this? I mean, I was really upset. (laughs) And then The next morning, he called me and he said, Jennifer, I'm so, so sorry. I, I was in the hospital. I had, I had to go to the hospital yesterday and I didn't have, uh, I didn't have my phone. I didn't have a way to call you. I didn't know how to reach you. And I was in the hospital overnight. I've just gotten home and I could get your number and call you. I'm so, so sorry. Can you ever forgive me? So I just, I flipped on a dime and I totally faked it. And I said, I was so worried about you. I knew you would never do something like that. Oh my gosh, I'm just so glad to hear that you're okay. I didn't know what had happened to you. I couldn't imagine what, what, you know, what you were going through that you couldn't reach out to me. Oh my gosh, I'm just glad to know you're safe. Total lie. 
So my projection that I experienced that Friday night where I was miserable and angry and drinking and, uh, you know, making these negative declarations and all these assumptions about the character of this man, all of that was my projection based on my perception. And my perception was, I'm not worthy of good treatment. I'm not worthy of this man's respect. That was my belief. So when the he didn't call and he stood me up, I took my belief, I'm not good enough, something's wrong with me, I'm bad, and I blew it up and I took everything that occurred and I gave it all the meaning that it had for me. So my projection was that he stood me up, that he disrespected me, that he didn't really care about me, that he had a better offer, couldn't even bother to let me know, whatever. It was a long time ago. But you see, that's how projection works. I projected that onto the screen of my life because I took my core belief and I saw what was happening through the lens of that belief. So my perception came from my belief system. My belief system was being projected onto the screen of my life. Now, this is akin to, and this is an important point I'd like to make here, people ask me on a regular basis, what does it mean when people talk about mirroring? So this is... Mirroring is a dance of perception and projection. So, for instance, when I am in a relationship, could be just somebody I just met in a restaurant or a store, but in some kind of relationship with somebody who irritates me, who bothers me, who frustrates me, something like that. Has some, I have some kind of substantial emotional reaction. It could even be that they, they somehow make me really, really happy. Um, all of that is mirroring. So, for instance, if I'm in a relationship with somebody who's complaining... This this is another very common thing that people talk about with me. And they're so frustrated. Oh, my mother is such a complainer. My sister is such a complainer. They're so complaining. Oh, my God, they just want me to listen to their complaints all the time. I'm so sick of it. I don't like it. I don't want it. It's so upsetting to me. They are uh, bringing my energy down. I say, well, here's the thing. If you were in your loving heart, having compassion for them, you wouldn't be upset at all. You would not be upset at all if you were in compassion for them. But you're judging them. And you're blaming them for your upset. You don't like them when they're complaining. Because you don't have any compassion for yourself. So there's the mirror. You have no compassion for yourself when you're complaining. You are critical of yourself when you're complaining. You are judging yourself when you're complaining. So someone comes into your life, they're complaining, it upsets you, it bothers you, there's the mirror. Now you may not realize that you have no compassion for yourself when you're complaining. But if you start to pay attention, what what is really going on here? I'm never upset for the reason I think. Lesson number five. Never upset for the reason I think. I'm upset because I'm thinking something that's not true. So this is the dance of perception and projection and perspective. So... We don't see what's actually going on in the world until we're willing to let go of our judgments. We don't see what's really there. We've given everything that we see all the meaning that it has for us. 
So if we believe that a certain thing is bad, we're going to project that onto the world. So you could say, this is what's coming to me right now, that racism is bad. Sexism is bad. Ageism is bad. Is it bad or is it just a way to learn through pain that all is one? Is it just a way to learn through pain that all is one? If we can stop labeling things as bad, but instead just say, well, that's a way to learn through fear and suffering and pain. But there is a better way, and we can find that better way. It requires one thing and one thing only, and that is willingness. Willingness to learn through joy. Willingness to learn through love. So instead of doing the dance of perception and projection, which is often painful, it is a way to find our way back home to our true reality, we can, on a moment-by-moment basis, check ourselves. This is what I talk about with the divine alarm clock. When we're upset, that's an indicator that we've chosen to believe something that's not actually true and we can go the other way. We can do a U-turn. We can find the better way. But we do have to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self in order to get there. That's why in my classes we're so focused on actual ways to do that, to work it. To really work at the level of the mind. I find that a lot of Course in Miracles students, they read the lessons, but they don't work the lessons. So that's why my classes are about living A Course in Miracles. Because that's where the healing happens. It's not in studying. It's from living it, applying it, that practical application In, um, oh, you know, I'm going to mention this. I'm going to join John Mundy this Sunday (laughs) in uh, Manhattan for his Miracles in Manhattan. uh, And that'll be fun. And uh, I'm also hoping to teach a uh, Forgive and Be Free workshop, uh, donation basis in the Boston area. Sunday, March 22nd, and I'm definitely teaching a Forgiven Be Free workshop Sunday, March 29th in Manhattan, and the details will always be at jenniferhadley.com on the events page, so you can check that there. Um, And uh, if we know your location, if you're in these areas and you're in our database, we can email you and uh, let you know when I'm going to be in your area. Uh, Yes, indeed. And we're getting ready to relaunch the text messages And so I can also send text messages soon again. It's been so complicated. Oh my gosh, it's so expensive and it's so complicated. But I do feel it's a really worthwhile service when we can get those inspirational daily A Course in Miracles quotes and text messages going. So you'll be able to sign up for those again soon, I hope. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send out an email to everybody and invite you, if you'd like, to tell us where you are so I can send you news of local events. And, of course, we have everything uh, listed at livingacourseofmiracles.com on the um, schedule there, the map there. Um, One of the things, too, to make note of is I am possibly going to do a forgiveness retreat the weekend before Memorial Day. I will be at the A Course in Miracles conference Memorial Day weekend. The retreat would probably be in the New York area. 
I haven't done a Forgiven Be Free retreat in a while, and people have been asking for it. I'm also organizing a Stop Playing Small retreat in the UK the last weekend in May. Uh, and uh, then following that with one of my trainings, either a spiritual counseling training intensive or a teacher training. So if you're interested in those UK events, I'm only going to build them if we get enough people pre-registered. So you only have to put down a deposit. The deposit is totally refundable if you don't want to come to the event we build. But I've got the dates there, and it will be in you know, a 50-mile radius of London. So um, people can get there easily from Gatwick and Heathrow, from wherever you are in Europe and uh, around the UK. And, um, yeah, I think that's so important and so valuable. I also would like to share that I'm doing the first ever online retreat, which is on the topic of recovery from sexual abuse. Using these Course in Miracles teachings, we've been able to have profound results with people. So not everybody can come and travel and do an in-person retreat. So in order to support the most number of people who would like support for recovering from sexual abuse, particularly childhood abuse. Uh, I'm doing this recovery retreat online three days, the first weekend in April, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you can check that out. And let's see. One more thing I'd like to talk about, I wrote a blog about it the other day about boosting the immune system. So there's all this talk right now of the coronavirus, and I understand it's a real concern. And we must work with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with the angels, to cut all the cords of fear and upset, and to really know the truth of our being is that we are divinely guided and protected in every moment, that only love is real, and that love is the only healer there is. So I'm inviting you to pray for the world. This is no small thing. Pray for all of our brothers and sisters that are feeling fear and anxiety, Because I know that people do, they feel tremendous fear and anxiety. And here's a simple tool for us. Uh, I record a prayer every day, and you can find it at jenniferhadley.com. It's on the blog page. You can also call it. It's a U.S. number. Um, and I will give you that that number in just a moment and give you a chance to write it down. You can put it in the speed dial in your phone, and uh, it's a Southern California number, but there's no charge to call. It's uh, just a, a regular phone number. So um, it's... Uh, I, I call it, I mean, I, I post a new prayer there every day. The phone number is one. That's the country code for USA, 760, that's the area code, 569-6005, 760-569-6005. And so you can call that number uh, anytime you like, uh, 24-7. That's why I made it, so that everybody would have access to prayer 24-7. And... But here's the thing. If you take five minutes, you think loving thoughts, prayerful thoughts, happy thoughts, just extend love to the world. Pray with me, however you'd like to do it, for five minutes. I also have a prayer podcast. Okay? Uh, So you can get hundreds of prayers there at the prayer podcast. And... Just take five minutes to be still and know I am God, that I am that I am. That five minutes will boost your immune system for six hours, and it will continue to increase your immune system, and then it drops off, all right? Now, similarly, 
or conversely, uh, if you get angry, it actually will boost your immune system for a short blast, believe it or not, and then it will decline your immune system for uh, more than six hours. It will continue to decline, all right? So I, I, I don't know, and this is the findings of HeartMath Institute, right? They've done research on this. And so this is documented. I, I, it's not some huge double-blind study, but it, there is some documentation on it. So test it out yourself. Practice this. If you're concerned about your immune system, don't you have five minutes a few times a day? right? Six hours, just do it four times a day. It's going to boost your immune system. If you become angry, right? I think why a boost, this is my total perception (laughs) based on my perspective, (laughs) that it boosts our immune system briefly uh, when we get angry because we're releasing something. There's something that's available now in our awareness and we can realize there's an opportunity for healing. So if we get angry and then we take it as the divine alarm clock going off, signaling that we believe something that's not true, that our perspective is false and that we can let go of what our understanding and our belief is and trade it for the truth with the help of the Holy Spirit, Right, and we take five minutes to do that, then we will actually boost our immune system and raise it up high because we got angry. How cool is that? Right? So when we're angry, there's something to forgive. In other words, there's some judgment that's coming up for healing. If we choose healing, then we will have boosted our immune system. It's powerful stuff, and it's all within our availability. It's all within our reach. I'd like to ask you if you value this radio show, if you value this podcast, if you value the the prayer podcast, won't you please write a review? It makes such a difference. The more reviews there are, the more that the podcast providers will tell other people about it and share it. So thank you for writing your reviews. So many wonderful people have done that. I really appreciate it. And your donations make this show possible. They make all the free prayers possible, the daily podcast, the daily inspiration, and the free classes, and the calendar at livingacourseofmiracles.com. All the staff things uh, we we pay people to do them. Thank you for your donations. All are blessed. We are blessed. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah.